there were only a few advertising agencies and people said it would take up to a year to get a job but i happened to get a job within like 7 days of landing in dubai my signature is there on all the posts which i do and that signature is my personality and that personality cannot be duplicated by chat gpt cannot be duplicated by any other system because that is something which i have accumulated over years of experience campaigns uh, online but it's the it's the ability to measure your conversions and see how at what stage uh, the impressions are converting into clicks and clicks are converting into leads and how leads are converting into appointments and bookings and then from where it becomes an actual sale Welcome to another episode of Your Own Boss. Our guest this week is Kishore Dharmarajan, the founder of seosook.com. SEOsook is a digital marketing company that helps organizations with their digital presence and uh, the presence in uh, metaverse and Kishore is a, a digital marketing expert, an expert in the arena of metaverse AI and also content writing and advertising in this conversation with Kishore we explore all these aspects of marketing right from content writing to how he got into the digital marketing space how he weathered the storms of the recession and how he managed to successfully shut down a company This is one of the things that was that's very interesting in this conversation, and uh, listen in for the details here. We also talk about metaverse and the importance of it, the future of it. So let's hear from Kishore. Kishore, thank you so much for taking our time and joining us here on the Be Your Own Boss podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, and uh, it's great to speak with you and your audience. Thank you, thank you, Kishore. So, Kishore, let's start with your journey, your story here, right from the beginning. Uh, tell us about your parents, your siblings. Where were you born? Uh, tell us about that part of your life, please. Yeah, sure. So, I was born in India, uh, but I grew up in Dubai. So, I uh, was lucky to be here in the seventies, eighties, see the city grow. So, I had my brother. We both went to the Indian high school. we still have uh, whatsapp groups for uh, students of those periods and many of us are still in dubai some of us, of the uh, students they have migrated to the us uk some have settled in india so it was fun uh, there was no internet no mobile phones uh, computers was not around but it was a lot of fun because you were always looking towards the weekends you could hang out near, near the al nasr Disneyland you had the channel 33 and uh, a hindi movie uh, once a week on thursday nights and everyone used to call the radio stations to ask which is going to be the next movie for thursday and dubai used to come to a complete standstill on thursday nights because everyone was in front of their tv to watch the movie the hindi movie hindi movie and they used to have hundreds of ads in between so the movie starts at 10 it finishes around 1 2 pm mm-hmm. but were still glued to their uh, chairs because there was no other option you didn't have any other entertainments and um, 
what about your parents were uh, was your father also an entrepreneur or was he uh, and your mother what did they do yes both of them were uh, entrepreneurs and that's i guess where i get my streak from my dad had uh, one of the earliest groceries in uh, the entire dubai uh, unfortunately we didn't develop on that and we left by the 80s uh, so many of the large supermarkets and groceries and department stores which you see around came actually after after we kind of left yeah okay okay so your father was an entrepreneur i mean it was a family business you had your groceries so and did that affect you said like you know that you got that streak from that so did, did you have that aspiration right at the childhood that one you know when you grow up you wanted to did you want to become an entrepreneur yourself yes i was kind of restless uh, as compared to my uh, my friends i was always trying to do new things uh, getting excited by innovations i uh, was trying to do out of the box things uh, all the time and that's uh, probably how i ended up in the advertising industry because it was quite fun yeah innovation is something that's like you know it's it kind of synonymous with you because you're always uh, you are in that space right there is always you are always attracted to that uh, innovation and that shows in what you're doing now with the uh, in the metaverse space as well so so you had this inclination towards like you want to do something and you know uh, in the you were attracted towards all innovative things and uh, tell us about the the further studies after that so like after you finished your schooling what kind of uh, studies did you go into yeah so we left uh, dubai in the 80s went back and um, joined a college over there i did my uh, english uh, degree i did my english masters and after that i actually i got into the advertising industry so i studied in st thomas in the in thrissur in kerala actually okay same comes okay so after you finished your uh, studies there you joined the advertising industry so uh, t- like tell us about that part of the uh, of your uh, you know your corporate job right so you uh, how did the corporate job go and this was also in thrissur or yeah there was an advertising industry close to the college so i just walked in and i told him that i have quite good knowledge of uh, the english uh, language and i might be useful to them as a copywriter and i was uh, ready to work for them for free so they took me on and i did some campaigns and their campaigns were immediately uh, approved and i was the only person in that agency who could speak english so the uh, the big mystery in kerala is that uh, a lot of people are good in writing english but uh, traditionally people can't speak english unless they are exposed to other uh, countries so it was an advantage for me having grown up in dubai that i could speak english so immediately they saw that i can both write english and and they can take me for meetings so that led me to getting a job within like 24 hours of leaving college so i was employed right away wow and that's very interesting that you offered to work for free for them you said you will just go and work and uh, because you wanted to explore you wanted to learn rather than you were not focusing on the money but you were focusing on the learning that's right yeah uh, that was internships well before we had internships and uh, that was uh, that actually easily opened the doors 
because I was able to yeah. get in, I was able to work on the campaigns and then prove my talent. And then they made me a regular employee very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So, so you started working here at the advertising agency as a content writer. Uh, and uh, and then how long did you uh, continue there? I was there for a year and then uh, a friend of mine uh, sent me a visa to come back to Dubai. So I came to Dubai and uh, again, I had a very quick experience in getting a job. So at that point of time, uh, it was not easy to get jobs in Dubai. Talking about like uh, 95, 96. And uh, you didn't have this much of growth, this much number of companies. There were only a few advertising agencies and people said it would take up to a year to get a job. But I happened to get a job within like seven days of landing in Dubai. And that's wow. because I was, I was very specific in my approach. So I was not looking for any job. I was just looking for an English copywriter's job in a mid-sized or small agency of 10 people or less. And the, the, the day I arrived, a friend told me that an agency is looking for a similar kind of person. I went for an interview and like in seven days, got a job, got the visa and everything was settled. This is very, very important, uh, what you said, that you were looking for very specifically small or mid-sized advertising agency, job as a copywriter with an agency which is uh, which had like 10 or a few people. So you were very specific. So you knew exactly who to contact then. Brilliant. And um, I, I just want to go one step back with that thought process here, Kishore, how did you decide that this is the exact niche? Because you would, you had just finished college, you had worked there for, for some time in, in Trishur, and then when you came here, right at the beginning, how did you have that clarity that this is exactly what you uh, want to you know, look for? Yeah, so regarding the job, I knew from uh, the beginning that my strength was in writing. And I also figured out that uh, this is a, this is a skill which not many people have. Although everyone can kind of write, the skill that you require to write at a copywriting kind of stage is quite different. So I assumed that there will be less competition if I try to get a job as copywriter. This is something I, which I enjoyed. So I had that edge from the beginning. And how did I discover the niche? I kind of looked at the agencies in... Uh, in uh, Bombay and I could see that there were many big agencies with hundreds of employees with high reputation and then they never used to take anyone on board who doesn't come from a similar kind of agency. So the entry point for a new person in a new market would definitely be something of small skies where they have a lo lower pay scale but your access, your entry point, your restrictions to entry is much lower. So your barrier of entry is lower. So I decided it must be something like mid or small agency which could hire me because I didn't come from a big agency. I didn't have that big agency experience. So I didn't want to uh, take that risk and spend a lot of time trying to find a job in that niche. So I quickly uh, discovered a spot, the sweet spot, which was quite uh, good enough for me at that point of time. That's brilliant, Kishore. You knew what your strengths are. You played your strengths and you also knew what are the limitations that you had. That You don't have the experience of big agents. So knowing your strengths, knowing your limitations, you played your cards very well to 
get a job within seven days where people thought uh, it will take a year to get a job that's right yeah yeah i've told told it many times on linkedin also to inspire other yeah. people because people try to go all over the place and try to do different kinds of things whereas they should be actually be looking at one niche that's that's important and uh, that's also uh, important in terms of when you're looking for customers as who is your target customer as well. that's absolutely so, correct so in this advertising agency once you joined here you came to dubai and uh, how long did you continue in this company yeah so i was again the restless kind couldn't stay on in any agency for a very long period of time so i got a little bored with the smaller kind of agencies wanted to do something bigger and so i started freelancing with larger agencies again the, i did the same strategy of uh, offering my services free of cost for the larger agencies and they were pitching for large accounts so i went in and uh, they got the campaigns and they kind of realized that this is a talent that they can use and because i had become quite familiar to them through the freelancing so suddenly they didn't have an issue of absorbing me because they already knew me so they didn't want to know which agency i had what kind of background i came from and all of that so that was the next move uh, which i made in order to achieve my objective wow that's brilliant uh i know i'm saying the word brilliant so many times and it is true because that's exactly every move i'm finding like wow really so i'm really amazed that so you you uh, offered it offered your services for free and then they they got to see the value then you got uh, so you moved on to a job with a higher uh, with a bigger agency that's right yeah i joined sachi and it was good because it was one of the biggest agencies in town they used to work with brands like samsung lg uh, dubai tourism and uh, so forth so it was fun but again after 3 4 years i kind of got bored with that and i thought of starting my own agency and i did start an agency when i was 32 started an agency called uh, eureka and uh, it picked up momentum we had 15 people we had a large office and unfortunately we got caught by the 2008 recession where most of our clients uh, suddenly decide decided not to advertise so i had to let the 15 people go close down the agency and start looking for a job once again that's that's interesting kishore so you were working here at this agency and uh, then you decided that you're going to start your own and you established this company called eureka uh, tell us about your personal side at that time were you already married and did you have a family yet yes by the time i had moved from sachi i had uh, got married got kids and so it was very tough to move from a very safe space of uh, having a very large salary good uh, setup and all of that moving into something very risky but then at that point of time i thought uh, if i don't start an agency now probably it might be late to do it later on in life so that seemed the best uh, time to do it it was very tough uh, honestly because that was my first business and so i didn't know the the all the aspects of the business so i was trying multiple things and it took a couple of years till we got the agency on track and uh, we had regular clients and regular regular billing and all of that so i guess for all people who are starting their business for the first time it's going to be a little tough because you don't know what is out there 
yeah yeah so and uh, this is the the reason why i asked about the family side here because you know you started your business you started eureka and uh, in the initial first couple of years there wasn't any revenue coming out of uh, eureka and you still have to support your family you still have to run your family so can you tell us about that how did you manage to run your family and fund the business in the beginning uh, for the first two years the initial capital and running it for the first two years uh, while you didn't have any income because you quit the uh, quit such yeah that's a brilliant question so because i was planning to start uh, a business at some point of time i was saving a lot of money rather than spending it so i had saved substantial amount of money while i was working in sachi so i used that to start the agency and keep it running and uh, keep it running even without cash flow and then luckily before i ran out of cash i was able to get clients i got some breakthroughs some very large clients and that helped us to move forward yeah and what about employees did you at that time already like before you you know in the first couple of years before you start getting clients did you already hire people to support you in the business i didn't hire a lot of people I just had the basic uh, team in place but i had the mistake of taking a large office which is something that i would recommend uh, not to do it anymore especially in this age where you don't require a fancy office to start a business but somehow at that point of time i thought it was essential to have a large office so that was a substantial amount which was going every every year so uh, besides the office we didn't have ma- major expenses and we started taking the team after we started getting the clients okay and uh, you, you mentioned that initial initially you only had like the basic staff so what kind of so that so that people get an idea of like when you start an uh, a business especially in kind of an agency what are the kind of uh, staff that you need the bare minimum that you had in the beginning yeah that's a very important question and actually i took sales staff because i i didn't have a sales experience what i had was a creative experience so i could handle the creative copywriting designing all of that so i didn't need any anyone uh, to do all of that because i could do it my from my side uh, so i hired sales people but then i realized that sales people hiring sales people and expecting them to bring in sales is not really practical the business owner themselves have to find the sales and then use the sales people to kind of uh, look at the account and do to the day to day servicing and all of that because not many people are out there who can actually go and bring sales because that's a totally different ball game and that is something which uh, is not that kind of talent is very very rare to find where you know someone can go into the field and get some clients on board and all of that and uh, that is something which an entrepreneur will have to cultivate on their own so you can't uh, bargain on uh, sales team bringing in sales that's interesting so you you hired sales and i think that's like okay because you didn't you were not comfortable or you were not sure that you can go out and uh, get sales but it didn't work the, the sales team was yeah that that's correct yeah this is the takeaway that uh, anyone starting a business should be able to generate sales from their side without the support of any other person in the agent in the company yeah 
And when the 2008 uh, recession hit, by this time, how long uh, were you running Eureka? That was six years. We had reached six years. We have reached team team members. We had a large office, multiple clients. But the 2008 recession was very different from anything that has happened after that, wherein everyone knew that this uh, this uh, recession had hit. And it was not like one company being affected. Everyone was affected. So it was very kind of easy for us to let everyone go, wind down the uh, agency. And the agency had a substantial cash flow, cash reserve in hand, luckily. So we didn't have any issue financially. We had enough money to close down quickly and properly and let everyone go. And let, uh, I mean, the owner also go and the owner could start, the me could uh, start looking for a job f- yeah. fast. Yeah. Mm. And so you saw that, okay, there is a recession, the things are not going very well. So this is where you decided that, okay, I'm going to wind down. And I think this is, this is important. Had you not thought that, okay, you would have reached a point where it would have been difficult to even close down, right? That's you decided on in time, right? Yeah. That is correct. And you need to have enough cash in hand so that you don't have cash issues when you close down. And uh, yeah. you don't have uh, unpaid bills, unpaid salaries and so forth. So it is very yeah. important to have cash reserves. So when times are good, that's when you should be saving a lot of money for the company itself. And you shouldn't spend it as an owner on new cars or new offices or new stuff. Right. So while you were all these six years when the, when Vinirika was running well, you were keeping cash reserves and this is what uh, came to your rescue. Let's yes. talk a little bit about the, you know, the, the, the closing costs. So you mentioned that, okay, you need to pay your, uh, so we, we understand you need to settle all the outstanding bills. You need to pay the staff on, and finish, you know, the uh, pay their salaries. What other uh, closing costs are involved when you shut down a business? So I had a finance person who was handling all of that. So what I used to do is look at the reports and costs that he provided me and check to see whether all the facts and figures are right. But he was uh, basically managing all the other aspects, the other aspects of going to the, you know, the, uh, the government departments and all of that to do the procedures. So there are multiple costs uh, involved and uh, as one goes through that phase, you'll find out all the costs which are actually involved in that. Okay. Okay. So now, not just when, you know, when you register a company, of course, there is, you, you need money to register a company, but also when you close down a company, there is, uh, there is fees required there. Right? There is. Yes. So this was a new, uh, new chapter in your life now that you shut down Eureka, and then you went back to looking for a job. So uh, did you go back, go continue in the same industry, in the ad industry, or did you change industries when you look for a new job? No, I changed my industries because the ad industry had kind of got phased out by then. Luckily, because I was the restless type, I was always looking at new things coming into the market. And I kind of realized that digital was where the future is. And I had become a digital expert by that time, which was quite uh, lucky because 
the next job which i got was as a digital analytics manager at a large bra- uh, bank and the only reason that i got that job was they were using a kind of analytics platform which no one knew how to operate and uh, i being curious i had mastered that platform for no reason so i was immediately employed on the spot during the interview itself they said you know you are kind of don't go and do more interviews because you are you are you're on board we have done multiple multiple interviews we never found anyone who knew how to use this so you are 100% qualified for this job so in the first interview itself they told me asked me requested me not to attend other interviews and the mm-hmm. the funny part was on that same day i, I got employed by two companies uh, so that was quite lucky uh, and that came around because i had mastered digital it was nothing uh, no other uh, extra talents that i had except being curious and trying to look at uh, various digital platforms and all of that so i had two job offers in hand actually after leaving the entrepreneurial space and uh, coming back into the work space yeah and uh, just by the way just curious to know what uh, analytical platform was this that's called webtrends and it's used by large banks and because they are uh, they have a problem with third party cookies they don't use google analytics so many companies use a platform called omniture uh, which is by adobe and uh, some others use webtrends so this itself is a complex uh, analytics platform it's very different to google analytics this is what everyone knows so uh, being exposed to these platforms actually gave me a great edge at that point of time and it quickly helped me to uh, get into the workspace get a new job new visa everything new so went back to the works workplace once more and how was your how were you exposed to this particular to webtrends uh, platform like how did you learn about them uh, earlier on yeah i was quite active on uh, linkedin and i was following a, a lot of digital experts so i was very interested in seeing how they are measuring conversions because a- anyone can run campaigns uh, online but it's the it's the ability to measure your conversions and see how at what stage uh, the impressions are converting into clicks and clicks are converting into leads and how leads are converting into appointments and bookings and then from where it becomes an actual sale uh was very fascinating to me and i was looking at that journey i was looking at google analytics and then i was looking for other platforms which have got more granular information and that's how i came across both omniture and uh, webtrends and uh, that's how i kind of uh, looked at that i mean there were other platforms also uh, like volume for example which is not well known but it's very popular in the in the affiliate world they use volume because uh, that has got much more uh, features but it's not well received in the corporate world okay yeah and that's that's important here because you were you were always on the lookout for like and you are always on the lookout for learning new things and you know even now you are always doing that so she so got into now it, this is now 2008 we're going through a recession and you get this job and now chapter 
two starts, which is uh, chapter three. Now that you're in the in the job again, and how long uh, did you continue there in that job? I was there for one year, and uh, they took me to the UK and all for extra training and all of that. So that was uh, quite fun to do that. And the, because of my activity on uh, LinkedIn, uh, I, I met a person who was running an agency, a digital agency. Um, called WSI and he was very keen to to leave the agency and go to Canada. So he was looking for someone who to manage the agency as a general manager the, and running the entire agency. So he convinced me to join in that company as a general manager. And for me, it was uh, an easy decision to move from the bank to that agency because I knew that I would be going back to the entrepreneurial space soon enough. Because someone who has that kind of itch cannot actually do a nine to five and uh, and retire because some people are not made that way, and I'm not one of those. So I need to do something extra all the time. I'm restless. So I kind of thought, okay, this is my way back to the entrepreneurial journey. So this is like you know the uh, you get a chance to run an agency without a risk. See how the digital uh, market is. Learn again the ropes of the of the of that industry, and then start an agency of your own. Brilliant, brilliant. So you joined your, uh, as in you joined your friend's agency as a general manager, running the entire show. Yeah, not a friend. It was a, it was someone who I met on LinkedIn. And okay. uh, he employed me as a general manager and he went to Canada. So I was running that uh, agency for five years. Okay. And so when did you decide that, okay, you want to, like, is this after five years of running that, is that when you started um, your own company or uh, were you still in the process of, you know, either finding another job or running something else? So that company was quite good because I had entire freedom to run the agency and I had multiple people working for me. So in a way, it was like being an entrepreneur, but without the risk, because all the risk is taken by the owner and you get a paycheck at the end of the month. So there is no major risk. And it was very comfortable. And that's how I continued for five years, which I guess is the, lo the longest that I've been at any space. And after five years, I had to pull myself out of that comfort zone and uh, start SEO Soup in 2016. So in 2016 is when you launched SEO Soup. Um, tell us about that name first. Like, how did uh, what was your thought behind you know choosing that particular name, SEO Soup? Yeah, I wanted to create a marketplace for SEO agencies where people can come and build a community over there, come and interact and start having bidding for SEO tasks and all of that. So that's how I came up with that uh, name. And when I uh, registered the name, it slightly changed into from a community into a company which was doing uh, SEO work. So that's how the, uh, the name came about. So you first registered the website uh, seosoup.com? That's right, yes. And then registered the company and then uh, in, in Abu Dhabi 2454 and started the company over there. Okay, okay. So this was 2016. And so 
talk us through that process. Like when you started SEO Soup, okay, um, like did you have, you know, challenges growing it? And tell us, talk us through that process of growing it till the point where it, because after that we talk about COVID, but, you know, you, uh, the initial part and the struggles of uh, the initial, um, you know, starting the company. Yeah, so SEO Sook was a very different story to uh, Eureka. And I didn't have much of a growing pains in uh, SEO Sook as I had in Eureka. Because I kind of learned the lessons over there. And so I kept everything to a minimal. And most importantly, I discovered how to generate clients using LinkedIn by posting content. So that was giving me visibility, that was giving me inquiries, that was giving me meetings. So I have uh, never had to go looking for business. Business was always coming looking for me. And uh, people are always trying to get an appointment, trying to fix a meeting, trying to see if we are available for work and things like that. So we just uh, take some meetings, uh, review things, uh, give our costing, and that's it. So we don't do follow-ups, no traditional follow-ups, no going after clients, none of that. Uh, so it's quite easy, laid back, uh, because uh, of the visibility generated on LinkedIn, Facebook, other channels. Uh, people come looking for uh, uh, agencies which are uh, able to deliver what they say. So it has been quite uh, quite easy for us, uh, second time, second time round. Wow, and this is this is an important part you know, for for the audience here, the to learn how to you know create a presence online on LinkedIn that it changes the whole game. It did it changed the entire game for you. You didn't have to follow people who were following up with you or people who were business first coming to you, right? What's the difference? There are some people who just go on LinkedIn and post something or they say that this is my company, this is what I do. But there is something different that SEO Soup does. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So one thing that we have to keep in mind is that there are not a lot of content creators on LinkedIn. Most of the people are content consumers. And that's because uh, when you work for large companies, uh, you have a lot of restrictions on posting content on LinkedIn. Uh, you need your approval from your line manager. You need approvals for using images, for using text. So you have different uh, different issues of uh, posting. So that's advantage number one. Second advantage is even among the 1% of people who are posting on LinkedIn, 99% are, con are consuming it. So even among that 1%, uh, most of the people are posting the same kind of content, something that they've seen or something that they've read, something they've seen on TV, or something like that. So which doesn't have a signature. It doesn't have their personality reflected on on their post. So when I write something, and if, uh, if I don't even post my name over there, someone who is a constant reader of my post, they kind of know after reading this, yeah, this is written by this person. Because my signature is there on all the posts which I do, and that signature is my personality. And that personality cannot be duplicated by ChatGPT, cannot be duplicated by any other system because that is something which I have accumulated over years of experience and that's my perspective on life, on, on business and mm -hmm. uh, that is what is setting me apart and this is probably what anyone who is listening to this should be doing which is to imprint 
their personality on their content which is something uh, which no one is really talking about and even less are practicing actually yeah and if you if you imprint your personality it is unique because there is only one you that's yeah. correct yeah it's like your dna it's uh, there's only yeah. one you yeah so now you you started uh, you know SEO Souk and the team is there you are running the company and then uh, covid hits uh, tell us about the impact did you did covid impact your business in in some way no covid didn't actually impact us because uh, SEO Souk is a company built for an earthquake so uh, it is it is built for the bad times because we had learned from our earlier uh, business venture that bad times are always around the corner and you should have a business which is on the lookout for these kind of disasters so that is a big lesson that we learned and uh, that has been implemented on as usual so everything is kept to the uh, minimal and the marketing is on maximum and so even when people are quiet we are all over the place so people tell me that they wake up in the morning getting alerts on their mobile phones uh, about the um, newsletter that i'm posting on linkedin and even people when i went to india for vacation people said that they are getting alerts and uh, because of time difference it's quite early for them that they are getting the alerts and they are waking up just so it's like an alarm clock that every day they are waking up to my um, post sometimes they don't read it but still they are being being reminded by the ding 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 every day that you know uh, this person has posted something so there is top of mind uh, awareness and so i guess that has helped us a lot and plus we also had the group the facebook group wherein uh, we invite people to come and talk and discuss and chat and because not everyone gets a chance to air their opinion not everyone gets a chance to be interviewed or be called upon stage and you know uh, share their vision and their thoughts so podcasts like this the community that we have built up all of this is giving an opportunity for people to showcase their personality so i guess that has helped helped us to grow yeah yeah and uh, talking of that of the facebook group right so it is dmd uh so digital marketing dubai which is so you decided to call it uh something else than your company name you didn't attach seo souk or anything uh, in the name there uh why what was your thought process behind that yeah the idea was to create a community of uh, digital marketing experts who come and talk about um the latest trends latest things which is happening in the tech space and that's why i started off with digital marketing dubai and i thought people would from dubai would be mostly be interested but later on i discovered that people from other countries are also coming into this group but probably because dubai is an area where everyone aspires to come to i guess the name has worked quite well so when people search for dubai on facebook probably i guess they are also finding the group so it has helped in hindsight yeah. it does it does yeah and uh, for with seo souk okay now um, can you tell us in brief about like the your elevator pitch for seo souk what's what is the profile of the company uh, exactly 
So the company is primarily doing SEO and content marketing as well as digital marketing for a small sector. At the same time, after we have built trust in these in this sector, they 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 use us to get into the metaverse and explore uh, the new metaverses which are coming there and their strategies on how to be present on metaverse and how to use generative AI. So they trust us to be their uh, to the, be their technical uh, you know uh, pioneers to help them. Um, help them lead into the new directions where technology is taking them. So we've kind of grown from content marketing and SEO and digital marketing into other areas like Metaverse and uh, Generative AI. Metaverse and Generative AI. Yeah, this is, uh, this is very, very fascinating. And uh, today is the 30th of April. Uh, 2023 as of the time when we are recording this and by the time this episode uh, comes uh, on air I think uh, it will be in the past but as of now it's in the future so on the 15th of May you're conducting a webinar about metaverse right so tell us yeah tell us about that webinar because uh, obviously by the time people are watching this this will be the webinar would have been in past but let's let's still talk about the because you keep doing all these uh, things about uh, so tell us about the webinar and tell us about metaverse there please yeah so the metaverse is uh, slightly more challenging for uh, people to understand because it's a 3d environment it's an immersive experiences and there's just not one metaverse there are multiple metaverses around us and there's no way one can go from one metaverse into the other you need to log out and log in back into another uh, metaverse. And so people have been uh, challenged by trying to understand how they can be a part of this, how they can take advantage of this and whether, uh, most importantly, whether it is a trend that will pass and if they can safely go back to the social media world, which they kind of understand. But the, uh, the bad news is that social media will eventually evolve into the metaverse because we have 3G, 4G, 5G, and we can't go back to 2G. So similarly, we kind of progressed from the web one world where we had uh, the uh, static websites and all of that. We moved into social media where it's more interactive. And now we need to have an immersive experience. So there's a kind of natural progression that all of us will be uh, going through. And that includes personal as well as business-wise industries. All of that will move to the metaverse. So what we are trying to do is making it easier for people to understand how to use these technologies and how to improve their business and their life using these metaverses. That is number one. Number two is about generative AI, which has become very popular because of uh, ChatGPT and with the possibilities of ChatGPT, as well as the threat that comes with ChatGPT, whether people will lose their jobs, their contracts, and eventually, you'll have a singularity where you might end up uh, being in a battle with the uh, AI bots. So uh, there is top of mind awareness for both metaverse and generative AI. And because there is a lot of confusion, we are bringing more clarity on how users can use all of these technologies for their business and how they can use it for their careers and how they can move forward in using all of that okay that's that's very very interesting and uh, it is i think it is this is the time that uh, people 
should learn, including myself. You know, I'm, I'm curious to learn about uh, metaverse, learn about AI, and uh, get familiarized with this uh, with this whole new world. Uh, so, Kishore, it has been quite a journey for you, right? And you started as as a content writer, and then you worked in several jobs and several. Um, you've started uh, multiple times. You've started a business. So, if you were to give advice to people who are just getting started now, the aspiring entrepreneurs who are either in a job and want to start a business, or they've just quit their job and they've just started their business, what would be your top two or three advice pieces of advice for them? Yeah, sure. So, uh, anyone who's starting off. Uh, on their on their entrepreneurial journey needs to keep uh, this point very much in their mind that uh, less than fifteen percent of companies which start up eventually see their first birthday. So within the first twelve months, eighty five percent and more than that kind of close down. So that's the ground reality of startups. And so there is a reason why this fifteen percent and this fifteen percent seems to be cropping up in the UAE, in India, in the US, in the UK. So there's something that this 15% is doing that the other 85% are not doing, which is leading to their staying alive and keeping that entrepreneurial flame uh, flame running. So uh, you need to, to realize that the chances of becoming successful with the startup is very, very less. So all that enthusiasm, all that energy, all of that will drain away in the first 12 months. And possibly you will have to go back to your workplace if uh, if the startup fails or probably you'll have to uh, find more funding and things like that. So, so there's a lot of negativity, more than positivity and enthusiasm, which is abating the uh, entrepreneur. So reducing the chances of being uh, phased out in the first 12 months depends on the actions that you take in the beginning, which is, for example, doing a lot of research on what you are planning to do and seeing if there are any precedents out there which have become successful. So in any industry that you are entering, you will see that a few companies are very successful and most of them are semi-successful or less successful. So again, finding out what those smart companies did to make them extremely successful over a period of time could be quite uh, beneficial. Many entrepreneurs, including myself, have a kind of feeling that, you know, we will figure it out or we are doing something new which doesn't have competition, which is actually very dangerous. You always need to do stuff which has got competition and learn from the people who are who have done it uh, successfully. I think spending more time in trying to investigate what they did right will actually have a better uh, result for you more than you know having more cash flow or uh, more funding or going after the investors or finding your niche or anything else as compared to uh, investigating the winners and following the success trait i guess would be the best advice that i can give yeah i think that's this is why uh, your own boss podcast exists. This is exactly what we're doing here. It's showing those examples of uh, what worked and also what didn't work. 
right? In our journey, in each entrepreneur's journey, there are things that work, things that didn't work, and we, we bring that to the light here so that um, you know, we can uh, learn from those. Kishore, when, when you look back now uh, at this entire journey that you've uh, come through, and what are, like, who is the one that uh, that you would like to give credit to for your success? So credit for my success, I would. There's no person out there. It's more of curiosity in trying to find out what is happening next or what's happening in um, in each uh, industry uh, sector, and and that comes through books, through through online spaces, through YouTube. There are multiple courses out there which you can explore. So I guess having that curious mind, which comes with your DNA, part of your your character, is the biggest asset that I have, which I feel. And probably someone uh, else has got their own strengths, their own thoughts, and things like that. But I guess this has been my top, my top reason for being uh, at least successful to this extent. So it's the it's the strength, it's the curiosity, which is your strength, and uh, the willingness to learn, the the eagerness to learn, and which is uh, now um, Kishori mentioned about books here. So can you suggest what books that come to your mind, top of the top of your mind, that you would recommend for uh, the for the listeners? Yeah, for uh, mindset, I would recommend a book called Siddhartha by Herman Hesse, which is a German uh, author. Uh, it's very insightful, and many people who read that kind of don't get it. But people who get it get a lot from it. It's, it just shows that life is not as important or as uh, stressful as we think it is, because there, there are different layers of life and challenges and outcomes, and you would be able to get a better grasp of life just by uh, reading this book. It's called Siddhartha by Herman Hesse, German uh, writer. That is one book uh, which is very top of my mind. Coming to marketing, uh, looking at positioning uh, is very, very important. And that is possibly the reason, one of the reasons why Steve Jobs have been so successful with Apple. They have positioned their product very well. So going through the positioning uh, series by these writers would be a good idea. And uh, if you're looking at uh, psychological uh, insights, you have the predictably uh, irrational, uh, which is very insightful because uh, he's a kind of neurologist slash psychologist trying to look at how people are able to uh, persuade others using various things. So although his books are written for the academic world, it, it's become very popular in the among marketers. So persuasion and uh, predictably rational are two books that I would highly recommend. Because the kind of case studies that they have is something that you don't have, you don't see in uh, any other course or any other uh, any other marketing journals. So it's very advanced, and uh, I suspect many of the things that he has said in persuasion and uh, and predictably rational has not really been explored, because uh, the big opportunity that many people have in marketing right now is that uh, everyone has been brought up 
on Philip Kotler's uh, uh, principles of marketing, which is based on the four P's and all of that. So it's a very structured uh, uh, methodology, which everyone, loves. like if you go to any marketing head of marketing or marketing director of any large company in town here or in India, they, they are all believers of the principles of marketing by Philip Kotler, which is what is the foundation. But beyond the foundation, there is a lot of psychology which is involved. So that psychology part is totally missed by marketers. And this is where predictably irrational and uh, the preservation are standing out. And that, that is not being explored. So uh, people are behind tools. They're trying to you know, use ChatGPT or other tools to write quickly. Hugging chat, for example, is another one, which is becoming more popular like ChatGPT. So using these tools to quickly find solutions, whereas the actual solutions are hidden within the human psyche. And it requires neurologists and psychologists to bring that out and put it on the on the on the drawing board. And uh, as marketers, you can go and look at these books and get insights. And then you can apply it, and you are kind of ahead of the rest of the market because they are not exposed to that. It's all news for them. Yeah, Kishore, I'll I'll need your help with the links to these books. So if we can, you know, get these links, we'll include the links in the show notes and in the description for YouTube so that uh, you can, you know, people can check it out. Uh, Kishu, talking of the, the life of an entrepreneur, there is, uh, there is a lot of stress, there is a lot of work involved. And as compared to a normal nine to five job where there are weekends when people wind down and you know, relax over the weekends, that's not the case with entrepreneurs, right? It's a it's a different kind of this. So in your in your life, in your case, what is your way of rejuvenating yourself? What's how do you recharge your battery and and uh, stay uh, stay fit, stay positive? Uh, I guess for an entrepreneur, it's slightly uh, different. Number one, you are your makeup, your mental makeup itself is slightly uh, different, wherein you kind of uh, are comfortable with a lot of challenges and trying to solve those things, solve problems. So that's where you kind of uh, get your energies. So there's no draining of battery per se. It's more that you the, the bigger challenges you have, the more recharged you get. And uh, I guess the best, uh, the best, the big problem is how to wind down or the energy that you are uh, getting charged with with all of your problem solving and how to transition that into the family atmosphere or or when you go on vacation how to turn all of that energy around and you know use it for something else so the typical thought of you know your uh, commuting going for work coming back trained is not how i guess a typical entrepreneur works an entrepreneur gets to the job get charged up by all the challenges and the more challenges the more charge they get and then they have to learn how to un unwind and uh, reduce all this extra energy that they have gained yeah 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 that's well very well said uh, you know if we can use the analogy of a, of a, a mobile phone versus a, a laptop that is connected to the 
to the power source directly okay so mobile phone has to be charged at the end of the day but your laptop is connected so this is entrepreneurship is like that this is constant source of this great great, great. so uh, kishore it has been a wonderful conversation i really really appreciate you taking out time and uh, you know coming on the show sharing your journey sharing your uh, these nuggets of wisdom and uh, how you did it thanks so much for uh, coming on the show kishore thanks sir. thanks a lot and uh, have a great day so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls that was kishore dharmarajan the founder of seo sook and you've been watching and listening to your own boss